Thank you so much for joining me today on another episode. Uh, thank you all for uh, your support and your continued listening. I get a lot of ideas from my world around me and from you guys, and so I'm grateful for that. Please feel free to email me at t a l a i b r a eight 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 at gmail dot com. If you have any questions or any ideas for topics or relationship questions, you know, those are my favorite. Send them to me if you want to know a little bit more about anything. And it might be an episode that I do on. Today's topic is something that is near and dear to my heart. A little while ago, I did an episode called Quieting the Noisy Brain. And it was received pretty well. And I think that as I'm seeing people going back to that and, and reviewing it or re-listening to it, I am finding that you guys are missing a really important component that I want to add to the quieting of the brain business so they can work really well together with this episode. And today's episode is really about meditation for the non-meditator, <laughs> practical use of meditation, basically. I think I'm the perfect person for this job to tell you that meditation is not necessarily uh, something that I was into at first. As a matter of fact, my subconscious brain had opinions about it. It thought it didn't exist. Bunch of hippies <laughs> that did it. I, I don't, I don't make my own granola. I don't eat vegan. Why would I need to do meditation? I mean, I had so many judgments about meditation before I started doing it. And meditation for me became my biggest teacher because at that time, my brain was so noisy so noisy and my memory was terrible. My relationships with others were not very peaceful. I was not peaceful on the inside is what I found out. So of course, what I do, what I did was produce it on the outside. People saw that I wasn't peaceful on the outside with the way I interacted with them. I was a hothead. I was highly judgmental of my world and highly self-critical. There was no peace. I did not understand the idea of walking in peace and being peaceful on the inside. Calmness and serenity on the inside. It was non-existent people. That's why I think I'm the perfect person to talk you into it, especially if you're not a meditation person, if you're not, if you're not into it, if you have judgments about it, I hear you because I was there myself. And I hope today I change your mind about this thing because it's going to upgrade your brain activity. It's going to upgrade your, the quality of your life. So today we'll talk about some of the practical reasons why we need to incorporate meditation in our life. There's thousands of studies that back what I'm about to say up, and I'm going to refer to them, a couple of them today. Again, you guys know I'm very practical. I don't like scientific jargon unless <laughs> I can use it right now, right the heck now. And I have a suspicion that you are the same way. So uh, let's go ahead and up the quality of our life because I had to buy into it. And you don't know me on a personal level, but you're going to get to know me a little bit more today. Before I went through my own self-transformation, self-awareness, I was very noisy on the inside. I, like I said, I was a hothead. I was uh, this, this, I'm the person that I talk about almost in every show, <laughs> every episode. I'm the person that created problems instead of solving them. Um, I had chaos in my head and everything, everything I did on the outside really demonstrated how much chaos I had in my head. So 
it demonstrated the chaos outside of me. When I was introduced to the idea or the concept of meditation, I worked with a person that was a mentor and she did a specific type of training with me. This training was on how to really quiet the mind and I was working through a lot of my own emotional stuff and she was really big on meditation. And at first I rejected the heck out of her because when she approached me, she said about meditation, she said, well, I'm doing a weekly meditation session. I need you to come in and sit down with it. And I'm like, oh, hell to the no, I'm not. I have better things to do, right? And I don't know what they were, but I didn't, I didn't show up. And so as I began to talk to her, she noticed that I was always outside of my house. I was always distracting. It, it wasn't, it, it was too much. I was always running out of my house. I was going to places. I was doing stuff, doing, doing, doing. I had to be doing something. Whether I had the TV in the background, noise in the background, I just couldn't sit still. And I couldn't sit quietly without noise in there. And what I learned, and it was, was pointed out to me that I was distracting. I spent my whole life distracting, distracting myself from going within because within was where all the suffering and the noise came from. Why the fuck would I go in there if <laughs> it's noisy, if it's painful? How could the source of relief be in there if the source of pain is in there? But it only makes sense that if the source of the pain is in my mind, then the source of relief must be in there as well. And she asked me to sit, and I'm, this is what I'm going to ask you guys to do, is to sit with yourself for three minutes. That's, what, that's all she told me. She says, I want you just to sit by yourself at home for three minutes, quietly, and focus on one dot on the wall. And anytime that your mind starts going somewhere else to opinions or judgments about the situation or about the past or the future, bring it back to the dot. No judgment, no opinions. Needless to say, I couldn't sit even for one minute. My brain was so damn undisciplined. I couldn't sit with myself without thinking things like, this is stupid. What the hell am I doing? This is nonsense. She won't know the difference anyways, if I did it or not. Um, and then I started listing what I got to do later and uh, talk, uh, thinking about, I mean, basically I found out when I sat quietly, how undisciplined my mind was. It was all over the damn place. It was totally unintentional unintentional type of thinking. And that's how I was living. It was chaos in there. So of course, distraction was my only mode of coping, was my main mode of coping, whether it was distraction with alcohol, distraction with uh, relationships, distraction with TV, with little habits that I had, distraction, distraction. And that was uh, very lonely because I had no relationship with myself. And I tried to fill in the gap on the inside with things from the outside. And like I said before in every episode, it's never going to be enough, people. It's never going to be enough. So this is where humble pie came in. I had to eat it and sit with myself longer because after I went to my mentor and I said, I couldn't do the, the minute, I couldn't even do the three minutes. She said, keep going back, keep going back and doing it. And so I pulled out uh, different music to sit with. I tried to stay away from guided meditations on YouTube because it, they still brought in my opinion or opinions and thoughts in there. So I didn't want to produce anything. I wanted to eliminate everything from my mind. I wanted to train my mind to start from scratch people, nothing, no judgment, no opinions, no nothing. And so I sat 
quietly listening to, oh, what do you call them? Like a, a Tibet, Tibetan pet bells is what I could find on the, um, uh, YouTube meditation music with no, nothing, no words, nothing. And I sat and I sat and I focused on a candle that I lit up in front of me and I focused on there and anything that came in, I disciplined myself to, to kick it out. I didn't need to justify any thought and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because that three minute turned into five minutes. The five minutes turned into 10 minutes and the 10 minutes turned into 20 and so on and so forth. And then it became the whole damn day. Believe me when I tell you, I can access this quietness any damn day, any day, all day. If I need it, any time of the day when I need it, because once you learn how to not justify thoughts within those three minutes, you can extend it to all day. You're like, why would I need to justify worry any other day, any other time of the day? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing people. It's amazing to be able to sit with yourself and learn what you're like on the inside instead of been, instead of distracting with stuff. So you don't go inside. Does that make sense? And that's what I was doing before. So I'm going to refer to several benefits that will help us place or implant the seed for you hopefully today that meditation is more practical than anything else you've been doing, which is, I'm going to assume like I was doing, distracting me from me. Instead of going to the main source that's crazy, creating this chaos, I was actually distracting me from my own chaos on the inside instead of working with it, instead of learning to tame the beast. So I'm going to uh, read off to you some really important stuff here, studies that have uh, helped me switch my brain onto practical reasons to meditate or to quiet the mind and go within. So even if you don't use the word meditation, really, I want us to think of meditation as a way to quiet the mind, to go within and work with what we got on the inside, to, 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 con to tame the beast, to discipline this, this monster, <laughs> this chaos. That's the point of meditation. It's not to sit in a lotus position or do yoga poses. That is not me. Uh, and I'm assuming that if you, if it took you a long time to resist meditation, I'm assuming that's you too. <laughs> so one can relate, my friends. So the first piece of information or the, the, the study that I think was really important that Dr. Andrew Newberg from the University of Pennsylvania did, uh, he took brain images of Tibetan monks. And what he found was the frontal lobe lit up like a Christmas tree. This frontal lobe is in charge of your decision-making, your judgment, your um, ability to regulate emotions, right? Pretty important. It's what makes us practical, what makes us logical. This is the part right there. What it found out is that it was highly activated when we are in meditative and even if we've been practicing meditation and just went about a regular day, when we're doing that, this is much more activated. And so what's really good news is that when this is activated, you're not likely to go throughout the day not being able to regulate emotions. You'll be able to regulate them. That's what that means for you guys, right? So if you have a hard time with controlling your emotions, if you, if you find yourself reactive, th this is a really good benefit is that when you start activating the frontal lobe and that becomes kind of your the, the brain's priority beautifully, it will regulate the other areas that are much more primitive, like our amygdala and our um, stress response centers, right? The second benefit 
found by Dr. Newberg、uh, is that the parietal lobes, which actually are on the sides of your your head, so if you think of the 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 top、uh, sides, so that's the best way to describe them. What what he found out was this is the part that's usually in charge of or has been found to be elemental in socially. Or social isolations, or when you're or feelings of loneliness, usually that lights up when we're lonely. What he found was those areas in in the monks that he studied were actually much more simmered down. They were not feeling lonely. They were not. They didn't have that problem. It wasn't lit up like a Christmas tree, as we found in other people that don't practice meditation. Okay, so thank you, Doctor Andrew, for this wonderful、uh, study. You know,、uh, we always knew that the frontal lobes really did imp- were impacted by the meditation, but we didn't know that parietal lobes were also, or the, the areas of loneliness in our brain were also impacted. So, thank you for finding that out. Wonderful. So, the next noted study was by Roger Sperry, and he was the Nobel Prize winning scientist that discovered the split brain. He did the split brain work, which is the, the determination of the left hemisphere being in charge of the logical, the more analytical side, and the right brain being more the creative, the sensual side. And what we also, what Dr. Roger also found out, is that the corpus callosum is able to link both the left and the, and the and the right hemisphere. And why this is important, if you look at people like Albert Einstein, which、um, we recently been able to look at his brain. Through pictures, right, and many of the neuroscientists were just glad to get a hold of those pictures because they were able to determine that the corpus callosum, that gray matter, was a lot thicker in Albert Einstein, which tells us that he was whole-brained. He was a whole brain, is what we call it now. So it's not that we don't want to be more left than right or right than left. We want to be whole-brained, and meditation, we found out, does this does help with the corpus callosum thickening. Which is wonderful. The connection between both sides of the brain. So, another benefit to meditation here. Thank you, Dr. Roger Sperry, for for that wonderful、uh, finding. Also, in a tw- 2012 study by the University of Los Angeles, shout out to the School of Medicine,、uh, the corpus callosum, which was also、uh, studied there. Both hemispheres were remarkably stronger and connected in people that. Practiced meditation than in people that didn't practice meditation, and the benefits of connecting both hemispheres to work together will really increase your focus, concentration. You can get into deeper thought. You can become very creative with connecting both hemispheres. You have improved memory, which is wonderful because when you're able to quiet the brain, there's increased memories, of course. Clarity、uh, in thought. You're able to think through certain thought processes intentionally. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, UCLA, for that contribution. The next study that is well noted is the Washington University School of Medicine study published in 1999, where 48 women with severe depressions were studied, major depressions studied, and what they what we found out is the hippocampus in Highly depressed patients were actually atrophied. The hippocampus is in charge of your emotional regulation. So, if 
it is atrophied. That means you really become helpless to your emotional regulation. You can fall into the thinking process without being able to regulate or discipline your brain to get you out and recover from the negative thinking process. Okay. So the hippocampus was found to be atrophied. It shrunk. It actually shrunk people. But meditation, my friends, when it was studied, was found to increase the hippocampus thickness, density, and overall size. Yay, meditation. Um, and that's a really important finding, people. Really important finding. Can meditation help you uh, recover from depressive symptoms? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It can help you recover from anger, from anxiety, a- anything you could think of that's, that the hippocampus um, is in charge of doing. Emotional, any emotion basically that you don't want, you can intentionally start connecting with it and working on it when you meditate. Beautiful thing, people. Beautiful thing. Meditation was also found to light up the compassion and kindness centers of the brain. And many humanitarians actually meditated. They were known to meditate, which means that they actually were able to manipulate their brain into becoming more kind and compassionate to humanity. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting, people? So they weren't waiting for people to do kind things for them to look at them kindly. How elevated. Wow. So I love that. I love that. I'm a fan. Finally, the benefit of, and there's more benefits, my friends. I'm just narrowing it down for the purposes of this uh, uh, podcast or purposes of this episode because I can go off to uh, Africa with how much information I got and studies I have here noted. So I don't want to do that to you. I don't think you paid a ticket to go to Africa. It's just a 30-minute session, right? That's what we're doing today. Sleep. The benefits of meditation. I can tell you this personally, my friends. I can tell you this personally that before I thought I had to fall asleep to TV or have a glass of wine before I fall asleep or use medication to fall asleep. But I can tell you that the fastest way for me and the fastest benefit I've found to falling asleep is through meditation, through sitting with myself. And I just lie in bed and I just sit quietly, quiet my mind and fall asleep. I mean, I knock the heck out. (laughs) I don't need anything anymore. The important part about sleep and what we found out from different studies is that what we're looking for is deep sleep, reaching the REM cycle. And the benefit of the REM cycle is that it, this is where it provides this generative properties that we, we know about, which is the healing, better memory, better focus, all that good stuff the next morning, right? Those are the benefits that we get. And we only really need two hours to experience from that cycle. It doesn't mean that we don't need to fall asleep, but for us to reach that, reach that stage, we want to stay about one to two hours, even in separate stages, because we go through all the stages over and over. Um, and while we sleep in that eight to 10 hours or what have you. So we just want to at least reach one to two hours of the REM cycle for us to get rested, deep sleep. Okay. I hope that makes sense, but you can definitely look up more information about this. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not lying. It really does work on a personal level, my friends. I'm the person that used to make every excuse in the book uh, out loud why I can't sleep. And I don't, I don't know why I can't sleep. And I pretend like it's a mystery. But once I learned the idea of quieting my brain, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, there was no more excuses. I knocked the hell out. I still do. It's pretty quick. <laughs> pretty quick. 
All right. So I really wanted to focus today on talking your brain into the practical reasons why we need to start doing an ancient form of activity, which is meditation. And I had to really use modern to support the ancient. Okay. Because I know that your subconscious, if it kept you away from meditation this long, you must have had some kind of judgments or criticisms about meditation, how it was not practical for your lifestyle. But I need you to change that. We need to implant these suggestions today that it is actually going to serve you for the rest of your life when you practice quieting the brain. And how I explain meditation, I'm going to do it the way I learned it, okay? And why I found it practical to me. I'm not going to use the jargon that is used, uh, you know, quite appropriately by other people that know meditation pretty well. I'm going to tell you how I did it and what I, what I got out of it. Because you guys can build on that. You can build much more on that. Basically, like I said from the, in the beginning of this episode was I sat with myself and I had to quiet the brain. That means no guided meditation, no thoughts, no nothing. I couldn't justify any thought to come in. And once I learned to discipline that and get really good at it, that transferred in my whole day. Now, I can use this quietness with myself anytime I want, all day, like I said. And it took my uh, quality of life and elevated it. And what I mean by that is that I don't need to take a vacation to actually have one, <laughs> to have a mental break. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just go ahead and go within to have that. So I could be cleaning up my living room after my toddler and my mind is quiet and I enjoy that. Or I can be painting my nails for 20 minutes when my son takes his nap and I am, my brain is, is quiet as can be. I can be talking to you and listening to you with no judgment and no opinion. I don't jump into conclusions. I don't, um, it takes me a while to, for me to be reactive today because I've practiced this going within and putting out my own fires that I start on the inside. You don't need to extinguish them for me anymore. I do it myself. Thank you. <laughs> so sitting with yourself and quieting the brain is really the point of this. It is turning a non-intentional piece of equipment that didn't serve you well before into the reason why you're living a highly beautiful relationship with yourself and a quality of life that you've never experienced before. The freedom from expectations, the freedom from self-criticism, self-judgment, the freedom from the judgment of others and the criticism of uh, towards others and the judgment towards others, all that inhibit our emotional growth, inhibits our peace and quietness. We're in a level of stress on the inside when there was no, there's no stress on the outside. That doesn't make sense. So this ancient form of quieting the mind is actually beneficial today than it ever was because we have more noise today. We have more stimulus that we're surrounded by today, whether it's traffic, at work, TV, YouTube, music, anything that we use as a form of escape. When we learn to quiet the mind, then when we're doing these things, we're doing them mindfully. We don't need to binge on them. If you're finding yourself that you're binging on stuff, uh, whether it's Netflix or uh, music or drinking, anything, you, this is a form of escape. 
it's another way to say that I don't know how to quiet my brain off. I don't know how to turn it off. And these things help me escape that for a little bit. But again, it's a temporary patch up. It's not a long term solution. So we want to elevate our life. We want to go straight to the source. You know me. I want to go straight to the source of my infinite healing. And that is my own brain. It cannot be anything outside of me. I'm fully equipped. I am born fully equipped with what I need to regulate the inside of me, to regulate the world inside of myself. I'm not equipped to regulate the world outside of me as well as I am on the inside of me. So that's what meditation allows us to do. It connects that mind and body together. And when we're living on the inside, when we're rooted and grounded on the inside, wonderfully, we can recover quickly from any storm. We don't stay victim to the outside circumstances. We don't fluctuate emotionally with the outside circumstances. We are calming raging waters on the inside. We know how to go in there and we know how to calm and extinguish those fires beautifully. And we also know when we're about to start them. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to experience stress if we don't need it. If there's no tiger coming at me or a snake about to bite me, we don't need to be experiencing the stress response, fight or flight response. Really, we don't. So I hope this has helped. And uh, I don't have a special way to talk about meditation that can really teach you about meditation. I know the way I learned it was good for me and I bought into it. I want you to find and I want you to use your brain to seek the right information for you. Again, if I give you or recommend certain information for you, it, your brain might discriminate. It might say, well, that worked for you, Tala, but it didn't work for me. That's why I have to give the basic suggestions and talk your brain into seeking something that works for you. It'll look for the language that you want. It will look for the buy-in that you want, right? So that's why I don't need to talk about meditation or yoga poses. You will look for how meditation works for you and what it means to you. So be a seeker. Go out there and seek this information and you will find it. Your brain will pick up exactly what it needs. Okay? Uh, thank you guys so much. I'm sending love, quietness of the mind, and just full-blown harmony. Why not? Why not? I'm throwing it out there. This has been an episode of Drive Through. Mm-hmm.